Blog Talk Radio.
give me a heart tonight. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our hearts, Lord. Everything that we are, we surrender now, Lord, to you, Jesus. We surrender, Lord. Hear the voice, it's the voice of the one I love, he's calling my name. I hear you calling me, Jesus. I hear the voice, the voice of the one I love, he's calling my name. Can you hear him calling you?
Now my cup overflows, oh Lord. Yes, my cup overflows, oh Lord. Yes, my cup overflows, oh Lord. It's surely goodness and mercy. It's gonna follow me. 
where else can I go, Lord? To where can I turn, oh Lord? You've got the words of life. So I'm running to your arms. I'm running after you, Jesus. Leaving everything behind, Lord. Everything that hinders me behind, Lord, I press on. I press on. I press on. To know you, Jesus. My pride and my joy. My joy and my song. Give the Lord praise tonight. We're running after you, Lord. We're running after you, Lord. We're running after you. Our joy, my soul, my delight, my strength, my hope, my everything. I give you praise, Jesus.
throne of God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. Father, we come standing before that great white throne. The throne that's been established from eternity. The throne which is surrounded with transcendent radiance. The angels, the seraphim, beauty everywhere. The river of fire that flows from your throne. Oh, we love to stand before your throne, O oh God. We love to stand before the throne of God. divine encounter We want to 
know, there's something about taking time to sing and praise to God. It changes the atmosphere. You know, worship truly does correct our focus. The Bible says to put on the garments of praise to come against the spirit of heaviness. And in our lives, sometimes things weigh us down. It, it takes our focus, that heaviness, that depression, discouragement, doubt, fear, or whatever it is that you're dealing with or you're being challenged by. Maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe it's a financial situation or a relationship situation. Or maybe it's your relationship with God that's being challenged right now. If you'll take time, whatever it is, whatever the situation, to just get set apart with God, to worship and praise Him, and to invite His presence into your life, invite His glory into your life, ask God to to come in the midst of your circumstances and your situation. It will make all the difference. That's why we make such an emphasis on praise and worship here. And we know people tune in to listen to the Word of God. We know there's a lot of needs out there for prayer and things that, that people need prayer for. You know, we're all going through situations in our own lives, our families, our churches, our friends. But we're going through situations where we know we need prayer. We need to stand in the gap. We need to pray. We need to believe God. We need to cry out and call upon the name of the Lord. But we also recognize the value and the importance of praise and worship. You know, we've been talking about spiritual warfare lately. Talking about different aspects of our enemy, recognizing our enemy. Recognizing our enemy's tactics and schemes, not being ignorant of his devices. We've talked about the value of prayer and watching and waiting upon the Lord. One of the things that we can do, you know, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And when we talk about the weapons of our warfare, you know, we talked about the armor of God. We talked about the Christian being a soldier and enduring hardness as a good soldier, fighting the good fight of faith. We talked about the army of God. We talked about going into the battle to defeat our enemy. One of the weapons that God's given us is the weapon of praise the weapon of worship. You know, we don't often think of singing and praising as a weapon. Now, I have to say this to put it in perspective. The Bible says that you can honor God with your lips and your heart be far from Him. See, the sacrifices of God, He doesn't want lip service. So make sure what's going on in, in the worship realm or the praises and prayer and worship realm of your life is actually coming from the heart. The Bible says the Father seeketh such to worship him, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means make sure that it's an expression and an overflow of what's going on in your heart towards the Lord. You know, don't just do God lip service. Don't just go through the motions. Don't just sing 
for entertainment's sake or listen to Christian music just to be entertained. Because, see, God wants to be encountered. God wants you to be empowered. Not entertained, but empowered. And I think the church at large, the, the Western church especially, has been sold a lie. It's settled for less than what God has ordained us for, or God has called us to, rather. He called us to encounter Him, to experience Him in a real and living way. And if we're just being entertained, if we're just going through the motions, if we're just singing just to sing, and we're not having any real encounter or real experience with God, then we're missing it. And so we do this, not just so we can entertain you for 45 minutes or an hour or 30 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever the case is. We do this because we know it defeats the enemy. You know, even when King Saul was tormented by evil spirits, the Bible says that David came and played the harp. And as long as he played that harp, the tormenting spirits would leave King Saul. As long as he began to worship and praise the Lord, it created such an atmosphere, such an anointing, that it would begin to break and destroy the yokes of bondage. It would begin to break and destroy the evil forces. It would push back and it would bring light into the dark situation. And in like manner, you know, just take take New Testament. That was an Old Testament example. But if we want to bring it up to the par a little bit, we can take the New Testament example of when Paul and Silas were in prison in the book of Acts. It says that they begin to worship the Lord. They begin to praise the Lord at night. The angels of God came and shook the jail open, shook the doors open, even to the point where the jailer got saved, and they began to go free. So whatever prison you're pent up in, whatever bondage, whatever chains, whatever torment, whatever sickness, whatever situation you're dealing with, whether it's relational, spiritual, physical, financial, whatever it is. You need to begin to apply the weapon of worship, the weapon of praise to that situation. Psalm 149 says, Let the high praise of God be in their mouth and let a two-edged sword be in their hand. It's showing us a picture of what warfare looks like. And if we're going to pray to defeat our enemy, we need to realize that prayer coupled with praise, praise and prayer mixed together, the worship of God is actually a weapon. It's part of our armory. It's part of our weaponry, if you will. We could just put it like that. That defeats the enemy. And if you're living a defeated life, if the enemy is constantly getting an added edge or constantly making a mockery of your Christian walk or coming into the situation and working in relationships or working against your finances or your your walk with God, whatever it is, maybe it's a physical ailment or something you're dealing with or a mental ailment, something you're dealing with, you need to get to a place where you begin to praise God, worship God, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. 
See, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people, which means God dwells in the midst of praise. God dwells in the midst of praise. And if you want God to dwell and be in the midst of your situation, you've got to become a worshiper. You've got to become a, a not just a prayer, someone who prays, someone who seeks God, someone who communicates with God. But the Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter his courts with praise, which means if you're going to come into the realm of God, you're going to come into the courts of God, the place where God is, it's going to be by gratitude. It's going to be by thanksgiving. It's going to be by praise and worship. You know, and you'll hear me talk about this probably a hundred times in a year on some kind of level because I, I know the power of praise. I know it's one of the most effective weapons to defeat our enemy. And we need to understand God wants us to worship him. God wants us to hallow his name what Jesus taught us to do. Hallowed be thy name. In fact, before Christ began to call in the kingdom and before Jesus began to call in the will of God, the first thing he did was recognize God as his Father. So he established that relationship. He defined the relationship, my Father in heaven, our Father which art in heaven, But then he took it a step further, and he hallowed his name. He acknowledged his name. He worshipped and praised his name. And you know, the names of God throughout the Bible, when we look at what a name is, a name represented somebody's nature, represented somebody's character. Maybe it represented their assignment or, or what they were doing. And you know that God has many names. We call him the El Shaddai, which means the all-sufficient one. We call him Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. If you need the provision of God, the Bible says God will supply all of your rich, all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Philippians, we call him Jehovah Rophe which means the Lord who heals. We're told that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. That God can heal every sickness and disease. This is his nature. This is the nature of God. Jehovah Shalom means the Lord our peace. We're called to know God not just as our Savior, course we call Jesus Jesus or Emmanuel which means God with us we call him the light of the world he's not just our savior but he's Jehovah Shalom our peace he brings us peace which passes all understanding the Bible says he who keeps his mind on me I will keep him in perfect peace if you keep your mind on Jesus You set your mind on things above and not on things below. The things that are eternal, not the things that are temporal. 
if you begin to fix your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame. Listen, we have to fix our eyes. We have to fix our heart. We have to fix our attention and our focus on the Lord. Listen, it's part of having a victorious life. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament says, set no evil thing before your eyes, but meditate day and night on his law. We're told to to put the word of God before us continually and not look to the right or the left. So there's something about giving God our full attention. There's something about giving God our full expectation or our full time and attention, whatever it is, but give God his rightful place in your life to the fullest. Learn to hallow his name. Learn to focus on him. See, worship will correct your focus. When you begin to worship God and praise God and make everything about God, the cares of the world start to just fade into the background. doesn't mean that they're not still there. doesn't mean we still don't have circumstances and situations to deal with. But at that moment, at that time when you're worshiping and praising God, at that time when you're putting your confidence and your trust and you rely on God, you say, God, I'm just going to take some time to acknowledge you. Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. When you begin to trust him, which means to have faith and confidence in the Lord, when you begin to acknowledge him, which means the Bible says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. You begin to acknowledge him because without faith it's impossible to please him. Sometimes we just need to humble ourselves and worship the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Gratitude goes a long way in the kingdom of God. When you do something for somebody and they show no gratitude, oftentimes it makes you want to stop doing for them. You just don't want to do anything for them anymore. God says we're created in His image. Don't you think that God feels the same way oftentimes? And when God does things for you, and God shows himself strong in your life, and God reveals himself to you, and answers prayers, and changes your circumstances, and turns your sickness into healing, and turns your poverty into provision, and turns your confusion into peace, then when you begin to be grateful, when you begin to express your gratitude towards the Lord, it actually makes him want to do more for you. You'll see God's hand move more in your life. You'll see God's blessings show up more in your life if you'll just develop a gratitude, a thankful heart, a heart of praise, a heart of worship. And listen, the enemy hates anybody being affectionate towards God. His job is to try to ruin anything that would bring God affection, 
bring God attention. That's why he works night and day to try to keep you discouraged and keep you disappointed and keep you disillusioned. Why? Because when you're disappointed and discouraged and disillusioned, your praise begins to slow down. Sometimes it stops. Sometimes it's halted. It's hindered. See, the enemy likes that. He doesn't want God to get the glory. He doesn't want anything to have God's attention and affection. Why? Because he missed out on it. He lost in that situation. So he wants you as a Christian, you as a son or daughter of God, he wants you as a believer to lose out in that situation. That's why he works continually to get your affection and your mindset on the temporal, earthly, temporary things instead of things that matter, weighty things in the spirit, things that are pleasing to God, things that honor God. And so when we talk about the weapons, I know the last few nights we've talked a lot about the enemy's tactics and the enemy's arsenal. Tonight I wanted to talk about the believer's arsenal, the weapons that we have to defeat our foe, to turn our circumstances around, that will bring glory to God. If you want to encounter God, if you want to experience God, He truly does inhabit the praise of His people. And in His presence, there's fullness of joy. It says, if you're heavy, if you're depressed, put on the garment of praise. When you begin to have a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of praise, when you learn to praise God not only on the mountaintops, but even in the midst of the storm, even in the valley, God can turn your situation around. He can turn your situation around. So, you know, I wanted to equip you. One of my jobs as a fivefold minister, whether you want to call me a pastor or a teacher, whatever you want to call me, is to equip you, first to encourage and exhort you. Next is to equip you to help you prepare for the battle. So I'm speaking truth tonight so that you're ready. You're on guard. The Bible says watch. Be watchful. So one of your number one weapons against your enemy is praise and worship. We've talked quite a bit about prayer on the show. That's another weapon. If you're going to have a victorious Christian life, you've got to be a man or woman of prayer. You've got to get to a place where you call the kingdom of God in. You call the things of God into your life. You begin to declare and decree what the Lord is speaking into the earth. Why? Because see what Jesus said, you can have whatever you say. That's why it's very important when it comes out of your mouth. Not only in the place of prayer, but even in your everyday speech, even in your everyday conversation, 
even in your idle talk. We're not supposed to have idle talk. Even in just your everyday time, we need to make sure what's coming out of our mouth is lining up with what's coming out of God's mouth. That's why Jesus said, I only speak what I hear the Father speak. I only do what I see the Father doing. Why? He wanted to make sure his life was in alignment with the kingdom of God. Why? Because when your life is in alignment with the kingdom of God, it gets kingdom results. It gets kingdom blessing. You'll experience the kingdom of God when you align yourself with the kingdom of God. But when you're out of alignment, just like anything, when you're out of alignment, things don't work properly. You know, my wife has spent the last oh, five or six weeks going back and forth to the chiropractor because of an accident. When she went there, they determined that some things were out of alignment, misaligned. They weren't in their proper place. And therefore, things did not function the way they were supposed to function. And so they had to take some time doing different techniques and different things and are still doing this to put things in alignment, to put things in its place, to get things shifted and adjusted properly so that her body would function properly. And spiritually speaking, if you're not in line, if you're misaligned, if you're out of alignment with the kingdom of God, then spiritually you will not function properly. Sometimes we need an adjustment. Sometimes we need to be realigned. The only way we can do that, if you're going to put something in its proper place, you have to know where it goes. If you're going to put something in alignment, you have to know originally what what it's supposed to be like or look like or, or where it's supposed to be. And that's why we have the Word of God. Why we have the Bible. Why we have the Word of God. Because that's our tool that we can use to gauge everything. We can use it to adjust everything. We can use it as a measuring stick to know how to put things in its proper place. And so when we talk about reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God and confessing and praying through the Word of God, it's more than just going through these motions. It actually is serving a purpose. And the purpose is so that you can see from God's perspective, so that you can have an understanding of what kingdom things God wants to come into your life. So we have the word of God, we have prayer, we have worship, and it's for a reason, because it it brings us into focus, it brings us into alignment. That's why we pray, come kingdom of God, come will of God be done, Why we don't want our will. As I said before, Proverbs say there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. Look, your ways are not ever going to compare to God's ways. And your thoughts, unless you're aligning them with God's thoughts, 
Your thoughts and God's thoughts could be on two totally different ends of the spectrum. That's why it's very important that you set your mind on things above. That's why it's important to guard your heart, because out of it flows the issues of life. The Bible says God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everything that you need, God has already given you. Now, some things you haven't uncovered it yet. Some things you haven't apprehended it yet for one reason or the other. But I'm telling you, it's already out there. It may be in a circumstance or situation. It may be in a person. It may be in a certain geographical place. And it's your job to trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him and let him direct your path to that place of provision, that place of blessing, that place of breakthrough, that place of healing in your life. The will of God is not necessarily a place. The will of God is a, pers- it's a mindset. It's a perspective. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. I'm not trying to sound new age or whatever, because it's not about that. But listen, what happens in your mind will happen in time. Whatever you rehearse and play out in your mind will play out in your life. So it's important to fill your thoughts. Just like the Lord says, on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, and good report. So we're given some very, uh, not basic weapons, but they're not complicated weapons. One of them being the weapon of worship, the other being prayer. Being able to speak and declare. See, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Very important that you decree and declare, just like Psalm 2, David says, I will decree and declare what the Lord has said unto me. And that's what we need to do. We need to begin to hear God, meditate on his word, whether it be in the word of God or the Bible, or whether it be the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, the truth of God. Whatever the case being, maybe we'll hear it through a man or a woman that's inspired by the Holy Spirit, that's speaking the truth and love. We need to begin to align ourselves with what the Word of God is saying. Because when we align ourselves with what the Word of God is saying, we'll begin to be in step and in tune with God's kingdom, with God's purposes, with God's thoughts, with God's ways. And it sounds so simple. But yet, why is it that we don't see God's fruit, the produce of the kingdom, the product of God, operating and manifesting in our lives? Oftentimes, it's because we don't give certain areas of our life. We we compartmentalize God. We let him in for, for church. We let him in for our Christian radio or TV time. We let them in for Bible study. We let them in for the Bible uh, reading and our prayer time. 
but we don't acknowledge him in all our ways. We don't ask his opinion of certain decisions we need to make or friendships we have or places we go or things we do. We don't ask God for his direction, for his opinion, for his perspective. And so we compartmentalize God where we sort of go through these motions of religion and tradition. But when it comes to really having a relationship with God and including him and inquiring of him in everything that we do, in everything, in everything, in all things. See, we haven't been taught that in many places. No one ever brings that stuff to our attention as believers many times. And so sometimes we just do these things out of ignorance. And sometimes we do these things because our conscience is seared or, or we're not ready to give this certain thing over to God yet. And believe me, I've been there. I understand this. It's affected my life in many different ways. But God says, no, I don't want you to do me lip service. I don't want you to compartmentalize your life. I don't want you to go through the motions. I want you to make me the master of your destiny. I want you to check with me on everything. The Bible says that man doesn't live by bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That means you need to get God's word and his opinion and his perspective in every area and everything that you do. This is part of spiritual warfare. Listen, if you're going to have a victorious life, if you're going to have a successful Christian life, it's going to be contingent on how open you are and how obedient you are to the Word of God. And the only way you're going to be given the chance to be obedient and open to the Word of God is if you're hearing and processing and understanding the Word of God in your life. Thank God we have the Bible. Thank God we have Holy Ghost-inspired books that are filled with the Word of God. Thank God there's men and women on radio and on TV and in places that are inspired by the Lord to help coach us, to help lead us and guide us, to help point us to the Father, to help point us to these disciplines of getting to know God, getting to a place where we hear God, getting us to a place where we can understand God's plan and purpose for our lives. I think that's the the goal. That's the mark of Christianity. is are you hearing God? And not just being a hearer only, but are you doing what you hear? And in some areas, we may be missing it. some areas, we may be getting a gold star. But the goal is, is try to obey God in all areas. Try to listen for His voice in everything.
For the Bible says, in everything give thanks. Pray continually. Rejoice always. Why? Because see, in your life, your your seasons are going to fluctuate. You're going to have seasons of light and seasons of darkness, seasons of lack and seasons of abundance. You're going to have seasons where you're on the mountain and seasons when you're in the valley. That's why we have to pray continually, rejoice in all things, and everything give thanks. Why? Because seasons change. And thank God that they do. If you're in a hard season, realize that as long as you're pressing in and running after God, he can bring change into your season and bring a new season. Why well, it says, Behold, all things pass away, all things have become new. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not recognize it? Will you not perceive it? He'll make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And for some of you, you've been in the desert. It's been dry bones. And here you are supposed to be the army of God and you're more like the picture of Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. You're in the valley. It's a miserable place. Instead of being refreshed, you feel like dry bones. Instead of going forth and taking dominion, you're just laying around in the desert doing nothing. But see, God wants to breathe his life and breathe his breath He wants the word of God prophesied over your life so that the life of God and the purposes and the plans of God enter your life and stand you up on your feet. And the next thing you know, you go from being a valley of dry bones to an exceeding great army. Read Ezekiel 37 and see what I'm talking about. But something had to take place in order for those dry bones to stand up. The prophet had to hear God, see God's perspective, then he had to speak into the situation. He said, Son of man, prophesy to these dry bones, thou shalt live. Prophesy to them, hear ye the word of the Lord. And out of obedience, Ezekiel began to speak. He began to prophesy. He began to declare and decree what the Lord said to him. And listen, if you're a valley of dry bones, if you're in the valley, if your circumstances are looking really bad, If you feel like you're in a desert season and you need to take the example of Ezekiel, take the example of these men and women of God and the Word of God, and even those in our modern day that are experiencing God's glory, and follow their example. Speak, declare, and decree. Find out what God says about that situation and begin to rehearse that. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the promise. Never speak things out of your mouth that make the enemy feel like he's winning. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Learn to have a victorious conversation. Hey, praise God, Chad came home safe and sound. Hallelujah. All right, well, there's one prayer answered. Now we need to pray that Sean's daughter, Michaela, comes home safe and sound. That'll be another prayer answered. 
And more importantly, those of you that are wandered away from your spiritual home, those of you that are wandered out of the house of God, those of you that are not in your father's house, you need to come home. You need to come back to your heavenly father. You need to put yourself under his household. You know, growing up, I always heard, as long as you're under my roof, you're going to have to follow my rules. See, many of us have strayed because we didn't want to follow God's rules. Therefore, we lost the blessings of the household. I've been there. And listen, if you want the blessings of God in your life, if you want the rewards of being a son or a daughter of the Most High God, you're going to have to follow God's rules if you want to stay in God's house. If you want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, then don't be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of it. Be obedient. See, those that are willing and obedient shall inherit the good of the land. And you can have a desire and be willing to do something. You can want to. But it's not until you do, it's not until you you have a discipline And if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're being discipled, listen, then you're going to have to have a disciplined life. I need to have a disciplined life if I'm going to inherit the promises of God. Until we're talking about different weapons we can defeat the enemy with. We've got the name. You know, Jesus hallowed the name of God. He understood the name of God. You've got the name of Jesus. Well, when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. What are we saying? Jesus, in your authority, in your nature, in your name, in like manner. That's why when Michael the archangel came to defeat the enemy, he didn't come in his own strength. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He knew there was power in that name. When the disciples came to cast the devils out of those men in the book of Acts, the sons of Sceva, they they made a comment to these guys. They said, oh, Paul we know, and Jesus we know, but who are you guys? They weren't sanctified. They weren't prepared. They weren't full of the kingdom. They were misaligned with the kingdom. And therefore, the devil sent them screaming down the road. And in your life, if you're not aligned with the kingdom... And this may sound offensive, but if you're not aligned with the kingdom of God, if you're not getting aligned with the kingdom of God in areas of your life, the devil will send you screaming down the road. It's sad but true. Uh, I'm an example. I've, I've been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. And so we have these weapons. They're not carnal. They're not earthly, fleshly weapons. They're spiritual weapons. But they're mighty through God. And they pull down strongholds. And if there's strongholds in your life, see, we sometimes think of stronghold as some kind of addiction or or something that's got a hold on us. But the Word of God says a stronghold could be a mindset even. It can be a philosophy. It can be something that's so embedded in your heart, embedded in your mind, and You know, people say that they're set in their ways. You ever heard that term? So-and-so is set in their ways. 
That's a stronghold. They're set in their ways. And it's not bringing the kingdom in their lives. That's why Jesus set his face like a flint. That's why I said, set your mind continually on him and he'll keep you in perfect peace. So we can stay set in our ways. We can stay set in our traditions. Jesus said, your traditions make the kingdom of God of no effect. We need to get set in God's ways. We need to readjust and realign ourselves with God, with his word. Become praisers. Become prayer warriors. Begin to speak the name of Jesus. Begin to speak and declare the word of God. These are weapons. These are weapons, the name of Jesus. We've also got the blood of Jesus. If you've been around, and, and you, those of you that know Joe, he's on here at Smash 240. If you've ever seen some of his videos, and when he prays, he always says things like, the blood of Jesus will defeat you, devil. I love it. Because he understands the power of the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It, it hasn't lost its power yet. Hey, Patriot Greg, God bless you. Haven't seen you in a while. Hey, we want to just say a prayer right now for everybody in the chat room. I just want to bless you guys, honor you guys for being faithful. Right now we've got Antarctica 13, Wendy, Army Girl for Christ, Grand Mom 47, Guest, Patriot Greg, Pet Prep Radio, Smash 240. God bless you. God bless all of you. Pray the kingdom of God and the will of God be done in your life. That God would endue you with power for success and send you forward in the things of God, anoint you and break every yoke of bondage and defeat every power of the enemy in your lives because no weapon formed or fashioned against you will stand or prosper. And I just pray for success, that you'd go forward and bear much fruit for the kingdom and that God would align your steps and you would have direction in this season of your life to go forward and be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. I bless you. I bless every one of you for taking the time to stand with me and my wife Tracy and and for Sean and his wife, Rebecca, and, and their children. I continue to pray for his daughter, Michaela, who is in the hospital right now. Sean's been up there for about 36 hours. So just continue to pray. Continue to pray for him. Continue to pray for her. Continue to pray for us here at Prayer International. We need prayer, too. That's the beauty of it. God's given us these wonderful weapons of our warfare. Perseverance, diligence. That's another weapon. Listen, you've got to be diligent. You've got to be persistent. You've got to keep on keeping on. You can't draw back. God says his, his soul takes no pleasure. And those that draw back, we've got to stay consistent, persistent, Fervent, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That fervency, that not letting up. Listen, when you're chopping down a tree, and just because you take an axe and you whack it a couple times and knock a couple chips out, if you don't keep hacking at that thing, it's not going to fall down. 
I mean, apart from an act of God or a really good chainsaw. But when you're taking an axe to a tree, you keep hacking at it and hacking at it and hacking at it. And once you get to that tipping point, that threshing point, you finally break through, all of a sudden the tree comes falling down. Prayer is kind of like that. If you're going to get a breakthrough, we always used this acronym when I was growing up in the church called PUSH, P-U-S-H, and it stood for pray until something happens. PUSH. And if we're going to get a breakthrough, we've got to pray until something happens. God bless you, Grandma. I'm 47. You're back. God bless you tonight. We pray for everyone in the chat room. We want to pray for you, too. God bless you. Sherry, we're glad your cat came home. That's good news. You know, you guys, you got to pray until something happens. It may happen within a minute. It may happen within an hour. It may happen within a day or a week or a month. Or a year. But hey, like I've said before, I prayed for my mother for 20 years. And then my wife finally had the privilege of leading her to the Lord Jesus Christ. 20 years later, after I became a Christian. But see, listen, God is not slack concerning his promises. God is faithful. God is not slack concerning his promises. And just because you get weary in well-doing, look, the Bible says if you don't faint, if you don't give up, if you don't stop, you're going to reap a harvest. You're going to reap a harvest. God's not a liar. He's not going to lie about that thing. The problem is some of us stop, and we have not because we ask not. And sometimes when we ask, we ask with wrong motives, or we ask out of selfishness, or we ask out of ignorance, sometimes we don't ask at all. And therefore, we never get our blessing. We never get our breakthrough. We never get our miracle. We never get our prayer answered. Why? Because we stop? Or because we're misaligned with the kingdom somewhere, and we don't either we don't realize it, or we just don't do anything about it? And you've got to do these things if you want to have a victorious Christian life. I'm, I'm trying to equip you. I'm I'm trying to encourage you, one, but I'm trying to equip you, on the other hand, because, see, you need to come to a fullness and a maturity in Christ. You need to come to a fullness and a maturity in God where you're able to hear and discern His voice, where you're able to follow the leading of the Lord, where you're empowered to go forth in the power of the Spirit. The Bible says, They that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. And God wants you to know. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to know the benefits that are yours, the rewards that are yours for being a child of God. So we've been on the spiritual warfare thing. Why? Because there's warfare. It's never going to stop. You're always going to be fighting. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory, but... We go from battle to battle. We go from test to test and trial to trial. The testing of your faith produces patience. And you, if you allow it to perfect you, you allow it to have its perfect work in you, you allow it to sharpen you, 
and build the character of God inside of you. It will eventually bring you into a victorious Christian life. Will we have sorrow? Sure we will. Will we have circumstances? Of course. Jesus said, look, in the world you're going to have tribulation. But fear not because he's overcome the world. Listen, the glorious thing is is that one day we're going to get delivered out of this place. And if you're a son and daughter, son or daughter of the Most High God, if you're in Christ, if you're his, if you're born again, listen, you're going to be in glory. You're going to be in heaven. He's not going to leave you here forever. Now, if you're not a son or daughter, if you're not born again, if you're not his, well, then woe be it to you. I encourage you to repent and turn your heart to the Lord. Turn your eyes on Jesus and depart from your wickedness, depart from your sin, depart from anything that's separating you from your God. Because it's a fearful thing to be in the hands of an angry God. Listen, his anger endures for a moment, but his mercy endures for a lifetime. you want to be in right standing with them. That's why we have the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is our weapon. It cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus was shed by his stripes. We are healed. The blood of Jesus was shed when they pressed the three-inch thorns on his brow, crushed them into his head, and he bled so that you could be healed in your mind. You could have a sound mind. You could have the mind of Christ. Sometimes the battle that we fight is in our brains. It's in our minds. It's in our mindsets. Praise God, the blood of Jesus not only keeps us from sin, it delivers us from sin. It breaks the power of sin in our lives. Now, we still have to many times work a process. Listen, God's calling us to be warriors. God's calling us to fight a good fight. And just like anything, if you march out on the battlefield and you don't have your guns loaded, you don't have your armor on, you don't have your helmet on, you don't have your boots strapped up so that you can get a firm footing, you're not prepared. Listen, if you're not prepared for war, If you don't know how to fight, don't go fight. But the Bible says a wise man considers the cost before he builds a tower. He says, look look at this whole thing from from beginning to end. That's why it's important to get God's perspective on it. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the first and the last. Listen. He knows the end from the beginning. For the foundation of the earth. He knows how it's all going to turn out. He knows what you need to defeat your enemy. He knows what you need in your life to not be tempted, to not give in. He knows what you need in your life to remain steadfast, not wavering, being tossed about by the winds and the waves. So consider the cost. Consider what's before you. 
It's okay to consider it. Most of you, you were never told to consider what you're doing. Listen, God loves you. And he wants you to have victory. He created you to win. He didn't create you to be a loser. He created you to be a winner. He didn't create you to lose the battle. He created you for victory. He created you for triumph. But you must follow him. He's your leader. You got to follow his battle plan. You got to follow his game plan. The Bible says, if God before you, who can be against you? If you're walking in the things of God, no weapons, formed or fashioned against you, will prosper. Praise God. Sorry, I was just kind of looking over the chat room here for a minute. Didn't mean to get too quiet. But just trying to keep up with what's going on in the in the chat room. So you know, this is the deal. Bottom line is, no matter what you think about the situation. You know, we're going to have some tribulation. We're going to go through some things. Listen, at the, at the early church, but re, just read the book of Acts. I mean, come on. What was Stephen's glorious uh, accomplishment? This guy was stoned to death for the glory of God by uh, Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, who later became... A New Testament writer. I mean, many people think that, you know, Jesus is just going to come back and he's going to pull us all out. And we're not going to go through some stuff. Listen, man, we're going to go through stuff. We're going to go through stuff. I mean, tell that to the people that are over in third world countries getting their heads chopped off for Jesus. Do you think that God's just going to rapture everybody out before they get their heads chopped off? We're going through trials and tribulation now as a body of Christ. We're going through things. There's many that are suffering for the gospel, okay? And I'm not here to have a big pre-trib, post-trib discussion. Maybe we'll have one of those one day. God bless you, wherever you stand on that. Bottom line is, get saved. Get covered in the blood of Jesus. Get filled with the glory of God. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Get the sin out of your life. And you don't have to worry. The Bible says in Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal all their land. And that's what we're talking about tonight. God's calling us to turn from our ways, to humble ourselves, to pray and seek his face. 
you know, yes, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, Romans 12, 12. These things have I spoken unto you that we might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I'll tell you what, I'm I'm with you guys in, in some respects on that. But I want you to just hear what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not having a big pre trip, post trip discussion. What I'm saying is we're gonna go through some things and if we're not prepared, if we're not listening to the Lord if we don't have the angel of the Lord leading and guiding us on a daily basis, listen, tell that to the Christians that went to the 9-11 tower that day. Tell that to the Christians, okay, that got up that morning and did not seek the face of God and did not listen to God say, stay home today. Okay, because honestly, there's a lot of people that went to work today and they didn't pray. They didn't wait for God to lead them and guide them. And they ended up getting a little more than what they put in for that day. And there are many that listened to God, and he said, don't go. And there's some that God sent there anyways for whatever reason. Okay, and I don't want to make it about that, but my point is, is look, we all go through things. We suffer for Christ. We go through things. You know, tell that to the third world countries where literally if they're denying the Lord, if they don't deny the Lord, or if they, unless they deny the Lord, rather, they get their heads chopped off. And they have to worship God in houses, in underground churches, because they can't do it publicly. They're going through things. I just want you to realize, okay, we're in a battle. We're in a war. And Jesus told us to endure hardness as a good soldier. Now, why would he say endure hardness if he didn't think things were going to get hard? Why would he tell us that? Why would he tell us to fight the good fight of faith if, if there wasn't a fight involved? He would have said, hey, everybody jump on the Jesus train and it's going to be a wild ride, but come on, it's, it's going to be like an amusement park ride. Everybody fasten your seatbelt. No, he said fight the good fight of faith. And a lot of times we're told if we just receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, everything's going to get so wonderful. Well, in one respect, it does get wonderful. Because we do have peace and joy and, and the love of God working in our lives, even in the midst of things that would make the normal person pull their hair out. But at the same time, the devil puts a target on our back. And all of a sudden, we become public enemy number one. Realize, people hate Jesus. Unless you're, unless you know him, unless you've experienced the living Christ, some people hate Jesus, and that's just how it goes. It's unfortunate, and my heart goes out for them. And we pray for them to get saved and the blinders be ripped off their eyes. But you know, um. The Bible says in the last days the hearts of many will wax cold. And unfortunately, we're in a nation where the hearts of many are waxing cold. We have a president that declares that we're not a Christian nation anymore. We have a president that 
that uh, people that claim to hear the voice of God are, are terrorists, are insane. Wait a for another. You know, uh, everybody check out on um, Pepsi Cola. Everybody read the ingredients in Pepsi Cola. Just type in in the internet and, and see what Obama's take on uh, the Pepsi Cola. It'll. I don't even know what it'll do for you, but it'll surprise you. Okay, they they put fetal abortion tissue inside of Pepsi Cola to give it flavor, and Obama says this is okay. This is the kind of nation we're in, where people are forced to give out contraception and and make it okay for people to take abortion pills, because this is the kind of nation we're in. Listen, Jesus said, don't be afraid. He's got a better way for us. We're in a war, guys. We're in a battle. We're going through tribulation and trials right now. That's why we have to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray. So, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, your will be done and your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Bless everybody in the chat. Bless everybody listening by archive tonight. We pray, Father, let them encounter you in a real and living way. And we say to the glory of Jesus, to the glory of Jesus. Amen.